The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. I'm your host, Mariana, and I'm so excited for this episode because this is actually in two parts. Friends are so important to us. So I have Dr. Miriam Kermeyer, and she is a psychologist and a friendship expert. I asked her so many questions about friendships, how to end a friendship, what to do in conflict, what to do if you maybe don't like your friend's partner, what to do if they're venting to you about the relationships, and how to navigate so many things like finding new friends, moving into a new city, finding friends as an adult. I know all of these things are really challenging for so many of us, so that's why I wanted to have her on this episode. If you guys haven't heard the first part yet, go back to the first part of this episode because it's such a good one. Now let's hear from Dr. Miriam Kermeyer. So that was a lot about ending friendships, but something happier is making new friends. And it is very challenging as an adult. It's challenging when you're working and you're not in school, especially if you work remote or you've moved somewhere. So I have a ton of questions that I prepared and also from other people. What are some of the best ways to make new friends as an adult? I love talking about this. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because, again, we don't talk about this. And this was one of the themes that I was hearing in my therapy practice early on. I went from working with kids and teens and youth to working with young adults and adults. And there is frankly no support available to help adults make new connections. And there's this widespread expectation that it should be easy, that we should just have it figured out. And for the vast majority of people, that is not the case. And so it really is important to not only be thinking about this and the need that we have to build connections, but to think about how can I be intentional about inviting more connection into my life and to making new friends. And best way to do this, and frankly, the only way to do this for many people is to step outside of your comfort zone. And that's not just kind of a, you know, it's a cliche saying that that if we are stuck in our normal routine and we don't try something new, it's very unlikely that we will expand our social network and meet new people. And so the advice that you'll often hear, which is good advice, really, is to pursue a hobby or an interest, a passion of yours. And why that's so helpful is because you are stepping outside of your regular routine and comfort zone, but you are also putting yourself in a situation where you are more likely to meet someone who shares something in common with you. Again, whatever that activity or hobby or interest or passion is. And we know that similarity is actually very often the root, the starting point of a friendship. And so not only do you know that you share something in common, you ideally have the social structure in place to bring you together. You might be teaming up for something in that class, like, you know, an improv scene, or you're partnering on some work-related initiative or volunteering initiative, whatever it is, there's the opportunity to actually team up and get to know each other a little bit better. So it provides this structure that can really support friendship making. So that really is, it's advice that is repeated often for good reason. And once we've met somebody and we have an acquaintance or somebody we just met, how do we turn that into a friendship? Like, what's the next step? Yeah. So it's so interesting that you ask this because one of the things that I was noticing is, again, people have all sorts of questions about how we make friends and where we make friends. And this is actually worth mentioning. There are a lot of apps right now this to connect people, right? To help us expand our networks. Same way we now often meet our partners online. People are meeting friends online through friendship apps and they're increasing in popularity and success are increasing as well. And so that's really exciting. but opportunity to meet people often isn't enough. That we really need to be thinking about what our mindset 
right? What are the, the stories that we're telling ourselves about the likelihood of success, the chances that we'll meet the one, or the stories that we're telling ourselves about how much other people like us. Very often we actually underestimate how much people like us and that then stops us from reaching out and initiating and, and being open and vulnerable and disclosing. So that mindset piece is so important, but also what we do in those moments is so important. We need to be in a place where we're willing to make the first move, so to speak, where we're approaching someone. And here, best way to do this is to show your interest, right? So to someone realize that you actually are interested in getting to know them, that you actually like them, that you care about what they have to say, because the same way we are walking around underestimating how much people us. Other people are doing that too. And so we really need to make our interests as clear as possible, right? And one of the best ways to do that is to be curious, right? Ask questions about someone's perspective. Ask for feedback on something that you're working on. Those types of experiences can really help break the ice and make our interests. And what if you're an introvert? I know introverts have a really hard time meeting people. This can kind of be two parts. It's like introverts and also people who work from home because both yeah. experiences can be isolating and can be really hard to meet new people. So the piece of advice that I often like to share here is that very often we have ideas about where we, and I'm using air quotes now, should go, right? Where should I go to make friends? What's the best way to make new connections? And if we are someone who tends to be more introverted, very often we feel that we need to put ourselves, you know, into the, the, the minds and bodies of someone who is more extroverted. We just need to be something different. And I think that there's a lot of danger in that because what ends up happening is that we feel very uncomfortable and that will backfire and we don't want to do that again, right? Or we're putting ourselves in a situation where we aren't acting like ourselves and we're not going to build those authentic, genuine connections that we are going to pretend to be someone we're not and people will pick up on that energy and we'll come across as inauthentic. Or we will have people who we connect with, but we're kind of questioning, they really know, really like me, are they really choosing? And that choice that is, again, at the heart of healthy friendships is so important for not only making friends, but making friendships that count, for making friends that will actually have benefits in terms of our sense of identity and self-worth and all of the things that we talked about before. So I think keeping that in mind is really important. And instead of focusing on where should I be, focus on where do I feel comfortable? What is a situation that I can go into, whether that's in person or online, that is just inside my comfort zone or usual routine that I might meet someone new, but not so much that it's going to fire. And I think for people working at home, which I know is a related question, there are all sorts of ways that we can cultivate that network that is built into an office environment. So I'm thinking now there's all sorts of new, you know, co-working spaces. So sometimes that might be something to try out where you are sitting outside of your normal state, but also meeting other fellow entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. And you can share that in common. And maybe it's a space that you're returning to more than once. And so you always go on a Thursday and you're meeting the same people. And again, getting in that repetition and frequency, that's helpful to initiate and build new connections. That's one option. Any kind of mentorship or entrepreneurial society that you can join, that can be incredibly helpful. I just did a speaking gig not too long ago for an organization that we started here in Canada called W North, which is for women. They do great work. There's Chief in, in, in the U.S. There's, there's all kinds of organizations that exist to support, especially women in leadership roles and an entrepreneurial role to be helpful. And then there are also things like Groove, which is a new platform, which is essentially an online co-working community 
and you can have an accountability buddy that you connect with and work together and, and experience a sense of connection. And if none of that works, then think about starting your own social support group. Hi guys. So I want to tell you a little bit about a brand that I think you'll love. And this episode is brought to you by Lola V. It's an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. You know, her hair is so iconic and needs no introduction. So imagine this. Jen got tired of the same old struggle that so many of us face. Choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer from coloring, heat styling, stress, and aging. The list goes on. Over time, it takes a toll, and that's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of damage in our hair, but also shields your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the cult classic glossing detangler and perfecting leave-in conditioner. These aren't just styling products. They're your hair's new best friends. If you're going to take hair care advice for anyone, do it from someone who has an iconic haircut. So after I wash my hair, I absolutely have to put a leave-in conditioner in my hair because I feel like it just doesn't style right. And especially when I want to air dry my hair, it just leaves it looking really soft and smooth. So putting a little bit of this in my hair absolutely makes it look beautiful. Lola V is all about naturally driven, plant-derived goodness. So there's no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten. So post-shower, the glossing detangler, perfecting leave-in conditioner, and the lightweight hair oil are a triple threat for your styling routine. These multifunctional formulas work beautifully together to prime, prep, and finish for silkier, shinier, Jennifer Aniston-approved hair. Unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. As our loyal listeners, you get an exclusive 15% off your entire order when you use the code Mariana at checkout. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code Mariana. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts cannot be combined. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. So please support our show and tell them we sent you. There's Valentine's Day coming up. Can you believe that it's next week? As I turned February, I was like, oh my gosh, Valentine's Day is two weeks. Like, what am I going to do? I love Valentine's Day. I actually was making a Pinterest board of all my favorite pink and red things. And whether you're single or in a relationship, I just feel like it's such a cute romantic holiday. I love everything pink and red. It's so cute. So whether you want to do Valentine's Day with your friends, have a single night out at home to yourself, or you're celebrating with somebody else, you guys can use Macy's Gift Finder to find the perfect gifts for everyone special in your life. And don't forget you. A gift for yourself or for someone else for Valentine's Day that I love is a fragrance. And I really love that fragrance are tied to memories because I feel like you can use something for the first time and you can really remember a moment. A couple favorites that I have that are available are Coco Mademoiselle by Chanel. I love this scent. It's such a classic and I feel like so many people can wear it from myself to my mom. We really love this one. Plus get 25% off to 40% off underwear, lingerie from Calvin Klein, Gap, and more top brands. Some exclusions may apply. So if you need some inspo, check out these great ideas I mentioned and more at macy's.com slash gift finder and those are all great things and do you think those are sort of the same similar advice for people who are moving to a new city because it's kind of like you're starting fresh and you maybe don't know anyone where you're moving somewhere yeah so i think all of that applies we also don't want to forget about leveraging the existing community that we have because even though we might not know someone in the new city that we're moving to might know someone who knows someone right and so if we can be open about our ask and let people know that we're open to making new connections. People are often very excited about connecting us with people that they know and, and supporting other people in that way. So that's incredibly helpful too. I will say the other thing that I think is really important to keep in mind is that we don't need to be going through this process alone, right? The same way that we can reach out to someone and see if they can connect us with someone new, there are other systems of support that are available, right? We're more books on this every day coming out on on building new connections and making new friends. That's helpful. For some people, therapy is actually helpful in those moments, right? To figure out how can I build not only the skills, but the confidence that I need to actually go out there and make new connections. And uh, 
thing that I'm really excited about as well is I'm actually launching a course exactly on this, on building friendships as an adult, building meaningful friendships as an adult. Because one of the things that I kept on hearing was exactly what's being echoed here, right? Where do I meet friends? But also, what do I do once I've met a connection, met someone that I want to deepen my connection with? Those questions are not easily answered. And, and it needs to feel alone. And when is this course going to be out and where can we find it? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. This truly is the culmination of several years of work. <laughs> it is coming out in January of 2024. And uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to being able to share this because up until now, the way it works as a psychologist is I'm only able to see people in the province where I practice. And so this is going to be able to make the science of friendship, I think, far more accessible and hopefully bring people together, which I think, frankly, we all need in our lives and in the world. Of course. And as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm now in like my late 30s. There's a lot of changes that happen in friendships. In your 20s, maybe you're working earlier in your career, you have a little bit more time. But as my friends and I have gotten older, you have partners and then you spend more time with them and then they become mothers and then they have other people they need to take care of. So there's kind of two parts to this. The first part is for people like me, I don't have kids yet, but I have a lot of friends who do have kids. How can we make time with them while also respecting that they have a full family that they need to take care of and not feeling like you're the friend who's making it more challenging for them? But you also want to make sure that they are making time for friends, too, outside of being a mother. Absolutely. So this this is a, a really common in, in many ways, but a really important friendship experience, right? When we are, I want to say in different life stages, because I think that implies that there's always the same trajectory, which is certainly not the case. So when we feel like something in our life is different from how our friends are living theirs, that that can create tension. And sometimes that tension has nothing to do with the other person, right? It's really about how can we make this work together? And so I think that that mindset shift of we are in this together and we are figuring this out together, as opposed to one person feeling solving this challenge, that that's helpful. And I think there's another balance to strike here, right? Which is that, yes, in situations, for example, where one friend has children, one possible solution is to propose plans that can involve the kids, right? And spending time with that friend's family, because maybe that makes it a little bit more easeful, or maybe you're traveling to that friend's house because they don't have to pick up the kids and schlep them in the car or on public transportation. And sure, that's great, right? That can help us get in some of that frequency. That is a supportive gesture. But the flip side of that is that we shouldn't always be catering to one person, right? And there really does need to be this reciprocity again in healthy friendship. And so we also need to be thinking about, well, how can we make sure that the other person, the other friend's life and situation and needs is also being respected and is also being centered here. And I think, frankly, one of the assumptions that also gets us into trouble in those situations is we make assumptions, right, about what what a person might want or need, meaning a friend who has children, sure, might want to bring friends into the fold and spend time all together, but they might also really want break and really want to be investing in quality social time that has nothing to do with their family and everything to do with the ways that you used to connect. And so finding that balance again, not only between both of your needs, but of new ways of connecting and past, right? How are we also holding on to the types of experiences that need us, us, we love to do together when we were first friends, that that is a really helpful way to keep a friendship thriving as well. And if you're the mom in this scenario of this friendship, and then maybe you've seen like, okay, you're the only one with kids, your friends aren't yet. How can you navigate that as well? Because you're kind of like going through this former phase of your life where you were available and you could do things. And now you have somebody else to take care of. 
how can we navigate that? And then also maybe explain to our friends like, okay, my schedule is a little bit different now. My times are different so that they can be more understanding because they might just not understand. We often assume that that understanding will be built in, right? Because death on the one hand, of course, children or being a caregiver in any community is a significant of time, of energy. We don't really know the realities of our friends' lives, right? Even when we're incredibly close, we don't really know all of the intricacies and obstacles and considerations that exist. And so being really clear about, you know, here's, here's what's possible, right? Here's when I'm available. Here's what's, here's what's changing. Here's when it's harder for me to connect. Here's when I'm not able to answer a phone call because I'm feeding my child, because I'm putting them down for a nap, because I'm busy at a certain activity, right? And here are the moments where I am busy. I think taking that step of being communicative is helpful. And the reason why it's helpful is, again, because it can carve out some opportunities for connection that will actually unfold in the way that we hope they will. But it's also helpful because our friends can personalize moments where we are not available or personalize shifts, right? When something changes in a friendship, even on some level, when we can understand intellectually that this is because there are now kids in the picture because something else is going on, that friend is busy with work, it's really easy to shift that storytelling mindset of, well, what does this say about me? What does this say about how much they care about our connection? And so we really want to chip away at that tendency that so many of us have to storytell and to be transparent, to say, look, this has nothing to do with how I feel about you as a friend and you are so important to me and I am still just as motivated as ever to make our friendship work. It's just changing. And I am willing to work through this change with you and to propose solutions and alternatives as opposed to expecting other people to do that work for us. Sort of related to this too is what if you just do not like or get along with your friend's partner, like their husband or wife or their partner, whatever it is, that's really challenging, especially if they all want to hang out together, but you just like don't really want to be around them. Yep. And you are very much allowed to set that boundary. (laughs) It is not always easy. And, you know, for all sorts of reasons, it might not always be possible. But I do think that we should be allowed to communicate in the friendship that we value our quality time together. And for a great number of people, what that looks like is one-on-one time, right? Now, can we expect that this friend will not bring their partner to social events? Of course not. Can we expect that every moment we spend together will necessarily be one-on-one time? Probably not. But can we voice that that's a need that we have and something that's important to us and one of the ways that we feel connected and stay connected? Yeah, I do think we can voice that. And I think that sometimes our friends need to hear it. And the, the more we can approach that from a place of, this is what I really want and I'm helping to feel close to you as opposed to, this is really what I need because I can't stand your partner, right? The, the former is far more constructive. And I think something that we often deal with in friendships too is jealousy, whether we're jealous of our friend because they have something that we either want or something that's going on in their life, or we're the one who that they're jealous of. And it can make friendships really challenging, especially if you're not like talking through it. So how do you deal with jealousy in friendships? I think this is a really important theme to be talking about, and this can manifest in different ways. So partly what we're actually talking about here, there's jealousy, but there's also an So jealousy happens when we feel like our friendship with that person is being threatened in some way. And that can happen, for example, when a friend sure enters into a relationship and is spending more time with their partner. 
It can also happen, and it certainly does happen when a friend makes a new friend, right? And we feel that our connection with that person is now threatened in some way because they don't have time for us or they aren't prioritizing our connection the way they used to. Jealousy, envy, that is a feeling that we have when a friend experiences something, has something, gains something that we covet, that we want. And regardless of the feeling, those situations can be very challenging, again, both personally in terms of what we are experiencing, but also interpersonally. It can influence how we interact with that friend and how comfortable we are being around that person. And so very often, there's a little bit of inner work that has to happen here, right? We need to not only take the step of understanding, well, what am I feeling, right? But often ask the question, what is this feeling trying to tell me? Is this feeling more about something that I want in my life? And are there things that I can do to cultivate more of that? Or do I need to process the feelings of grief that are showing up around? Or is this feeling telling me about something that's happening in my friendship? Is this feeling telling me that I don't have enough time with this person and that I really miss them? Is this feeling telling me something about how this person is now interacting with me and, and in a way that doesn't feel so good and maybe I need to have a conversation, right? So if we can get clear on what this feeling is and what it's trying to tell us, then we can figure out how we want to respond and respond intentionally as opposed to reactively. Going back to the other question too about not liking your partner's friend or maybe they don't like your partner, what do you do if you feel like your friend is in a relationship and you hear them complain, maybe it's just not the right relationship for them. How can we support them in these scenarios? Because I feel like it's hard sometimes because you want the best for your friends and sometimes it's just not right. So you're saying if a friend is in a relationship and we don't think that's the right partner for them, I would trap Yes. Somebody wrote in and said, how to support a friend in an unhealthy relationship. My friend can do so much better. Here's what I experience a lot of times in my friendships. A friend will come to me, they'll vent, they'll complain, they're sad, they're upset. They know it's not the right relationship for them. And then almost because you're on the receiving end of the negativity about this person, then you continue to not like this person even more. So then when they stay with them, it makes it really challenging as a friend because you're like, I know you're not happy. You're telling me they're not great. You're choosing to stay with them. And then I'm the one that you're venting. To. Yeah. I don't know that there's actually one right way to handle this situation because I've seen versions of this situation many times over, both personally and professionally, right? On, on the one hand, you know, this is a relationship where a friend is, as you're saying, complaining or what and really vocal about the conflict that's there. And you just feel like they're not really taking your advice to heart or they just continue to have the same types of fights or discussions over and over again and it's feeling frustrating you're not sure how to support them right that's kind of one end of the spectrum the other end of the spectrum though that a friend in a relationship that you are genuinely concerned about right and that you're really worried about this friend and i think how you respond in those two situations may be different what does remain the same for a great number of people is that being very directive doesn't work the way right so saying I think that you should really break up. I don't think that this is a good relationship for you. I think that you should do X or Y. That those types of statements generally don't work. Very rarely do our friends suddenly have an epiphany or suddenly come to a place where they are in that moment then able to say, oh my gosh, you're right. I never thought about it that way. I'm going to go do that, right? What often ends up happening is that it creates tension and friction in your own connection. So instead of being directive, I think the best thing to do here is to, again, be curious, right? And to ask questions, ask different questions 
in a way that will create an environment where you can have a different conversation. And one of the other pieces that can be a really nice compliment to that is to just use kind of noticing language, meaning, you know, I know we've had a discussion like this a few times recently, and I'm wondering what things have been like for you, right? Or I'm wondering what it's like for you to have the same discussion with me several times over, right? Am I, am I supporting you in helpful ways? Is there something else that I could be doing? Clearly, this is something that's really been a struggle for you. What is that like? So using that noticing language can be really helpful because it's disarming, right? It doesn't feel blaming. It doesn't, we're not approaching it, telling our friends, you keep complaining about the same thing and you're not making any changes and I don't want to hear about it anymore, right? That type of language generally isn't effective for anyone. But using that curiosity and noticing language is helpful and asking questions that will ideally lead to better conversations in the moment or potentially have the impact of helping our friends to ask themselves other questions after they leave that conversation. Yes, I think that's all such good advice because sometimes we act like a therapist to our friends, even though that's not our job and we want to give them the best advice and support them. And some friends, they come to you and they just want to talk. They don't really want advice or an answer. And there's a difference in knowing that kind of friend that wants that from you or another friend who actually wants your advice and to do something with it. Absolutely. And speaking as a therapist and a friend, I think you you are spot on here, right? That even when we are therapists, we can't be our friend therapists. And so we need to kind of absolve ourselves of that responsibility, right? It's not our role to be our friends there because we, we cannot step into that role. And one of the things that can really help us from doing that or from going down that path where we feel like we're having the same conversation again and again is to ask our friends, right? Is, what do you need in this moment? Is this a moment where you want a little bit of advice or is this a moment where you want me to just sit and listen? Is this a moment where you want to chat through some problem solving and really giving the friend can be very empowering and help you have a conversation that isn't going to feel frustrating because you're working so hard to meet a friend's need that actually isn't there. And what happens if a friend just treats you like a therapist all the time and they're always just like dumping negativity on you? You feel like, okay, like we've talked about this a thousand times. Like I can't always be like this for you. How can you stop that? Like you want to be there for them, but it can't just be the only way the friendship is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is one of those moments where it really is not only okay, but sometimes necessary to set those boundaries, right? My advice here is instead of focusing on the friend, on the other person of you keep doing this and I can't take it anymore, to really actually focus on yourself, right? I'm in a place right now where I'm actually finding it hard to you know, be an unbiased soundboard. I'm, I'm in a place where I'm finding it really hard to hold space for what's going on around me. And to not make it specific necessarily to that friend, right? To really just focus on your own internal experience and to communicate that you're setting that boundary because you want them to have the support that they clearly need, right? And that you're you're supportive of them and of them that right now you're just not in a place where you're able to do that. And so setting that boundary is is essential sometimes. And if you have a little bit to give, then you can give it, right? You can say, I can let you know when I... I'm in a different space or feel free to try me and I can let you know. But on that day or in that moment, I'm in a place where I'm able to chat this through. But I also want you to know that I might have to set some boundaries. And again, that's not about you. That's about making sure that I'm supporting myself. Well, absolutely. Well, I feel like I have a thousand things I want to ask you, but I just want to end with one that came up a lot that I got on Instagram that people wanted to know about maintaining long distance friendships. Yeah. 
Yeah. How do we do it? Is the yeah, question. How do yeah. we do it? I think people <laughs> yeah. either like they're living in different cities, they yep. really want to maintain friendships. And it's hard when you live in different cities, especially if you don't have the ability to go travel to see each other because it's obviously expensive to like travel yeah. to go see the other person. Yeah, absolutely. So this this is a really great question because friendships do change. And thinking back to our discussion about kind of friendship dynamics and how fluid they can be and, and friendship breakups, even in some cases. Very often our friendships end not because anything wrong has happened, right? But because there's been some sort of external shift, some life change or life circumstances that are standing in the way of maintaining that closeness. And a move or a long distance connection can certainly be one of those barriers or obstacles that we need to figure out how we are going to navigate. So I have a few pieces of advice here that I like to follow and try to follow myself, even though I fully recognize that it's really hard, right? The first is that not all forms of communication are created equally. And so while I am fully encouraging people to send that check-in message and to, you know, tag your friends in a meme and, and ongoing chat threads or give each other a phone call, there also needs to be a balance between that type of efficient communication and the deeper moments of conversation that we would have if we were living in the same city or that we would hope to have if we were living in the same city. And so sometimes that might need a phone call, a good old fashioned phone call, but sometimes that might mean planning ahead and scheduling a Zoom or FaceTime or video, right? That sounds easy to do, but we don't often take the time to do that. So that's one piece of advice is really consider not only what you're saying, but how you're actually communicating and can you generate some of those feelings of closeness and proximity when they might not otherwise exist. The other piece of advice that I love to give is can you create rituals or traditions, right? Because this is partly what gives our connection meaning and it gives them life. Again, look forward to them. We're more likely to keep certain experience and we're likely to invest and make sure that they happen when it's something that we've already committed to. And so that might mean, you know, you have a certain show weekly that you watch together and you chat about at the same time. That might mean that you see each other letters once a month. That might mean that you take a trip once a year. It doesn't matter what the ritual is so much as that something that you're both actively invested in, that that too can really be beneficial for maintaining closeness and frankly, just communicating. I care about you and I care about our connection. Amazing. Well, I feel like I could have asked you a million more questions. So I will for sure have to have you back on again because happily. I feel like everybody would love to ask more from you. Oh, I learned so much from this and thank you for spreading all of the knowledge about this because it is so important for us to have our friendships and connection and so I can't wait to see all your courses and everything online. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This has been so great. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.